The guys are back this week giving you a vision of the future. It's preseason awards week on the Club Dub Podcast. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is... Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, gentlemen. Hello. Well, what what was that? Ahoy. Right. You know that moment where you go, he didn't just say ahoy, did he? And, And he did. I mean, it's bold. It's bold, Joby. It's a strong way to start the podcast. But welcome back, gentlemen. How the devil are you both? Good. Excited to be another week closer to the NFL. Well, another week closer indeed. I think it's now perfectly reasonable to count down to the NFL season in days rather than weeks. I mean, you see this stuff on social media, don't you? 150 days, 100 days, all this stuff. But to be as close as we are, I think we can perfectly reasonably count this down in days. And and also, just in, in the world of podcasting, this show will be our last kind of pre-season show, wrapping up a few things like roster cuts and some crazy predictions to boot. And then by the time we're back together podding next, it will be picking our winners and putting teams in club dub, really the absolute modus operandi of this podcast. And to be back in that mode sounds like pretty exciting stuff. I genuinely can't wait. And if I wasn't a Cardinals fan, maybe I wouldn't be able to wait even more. Do you remember Bruce Arians? Do you remember him? Do you remember when he was in Arizona? Do you remember when that was a thing? Yeah, how long ago that seems. But um, but anyway, before the uh, the Blues kick in for the Cardinal Reds, um, we get to talk about some crazy stuff. So we're recording this really only hours after teams have made their final roster cuts and settled on their 53s. Um, we've got no absolute superstars out of work, but I think a couple of players who are certainly surprises and certainly the type of talent that may make some front offices reconsider the room they have at present. But um, but yeah, that's really just the starter, just, you know, the teaser, because later on in this pod, we're going to do what we've done for the last two years and do our crazy awards. This is where we pick outlandish players who we think could be named league MVP and then go even more outlandish when we pick the team that we think will be lifting the Lombardi in February 2024. All sound like a plan? Yeah, let's do it. I'll take yeah. silence as confirmation. Um, nice. So, Aldrin, I come to you first in traditional Club Dub podcast style to say, of all of the cuts yesterday, any big surprises, any personal disappointments, or I suppose just equally, any surprises for people who did find themselves making the team? The floor is yours. Um, well, we were actually just talking about it off pod, but it was my um, was my kind of pick of the discussion points really was the continued devaluation of the veteran running back um yeah i know when we were talking you mentioned uh james robinson got let go by the giants and the colts released Kenyon drake and i just thought it's really interesting where the position value continues to go you know the colts if you look at the colts we've got well, we've got Jonathan Taylor in the saga that is, you know, he's been invited to go and seek a trade and seemingly nobody is interested in paying the level of capital that we would want in order to, you know, let him go elsewhere. Yeah. Nobody wants to pay that. Um, he wants out and he wants to be paid, but equally it certainly doesn't seem like there's anybody desperate to pay what is arguably one of the best running backs in the league. Um, meanwhile, We've got, you know, two, you know, throughout preseason, we had two, what, rookie slash not experienced starter running backs played most of the preseason. We brought in Kenyon Drake and he's now no longer with the team. You know, that just, it, it, it fascinates me that there's really just no value to that running back position. You know, Kenyon Drake a couple of years ago 
we were talking about as, you know, one of the better running backs in the league, looked like he could be the kind of bell cow, do it all type of player. And now he can't get on a team with basically no running backs on the roster. It's strange. James Robinson equally, what, two, maybe at a push three seasons ago was the darling of the NFL, you know, gone from undrafted to being an exceptional thousand plus yard rusher in a season for a, and not great Jacksonville Jaguars. And again, now he's out of work, having been on his, what, third or even fourth team in the last two seasons. Yeah, let go by the Jets he's up to and four. Then the Giants. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I just find it really fascinating that, you know, for all the puff and puff of all the running backs, you know, over this offseason, particularly where really star veteran players haven't got their deals, I thought it's just been a really stark reminder that, you know, yeah, there's there's elite guys like Saquon Barkley that want long-term deals and can't get them. Obviously, Josh Jacobs has signed a new deal, but it's not a long-term deal. It's there for the season and it's, you know, slightly better money than the franchise tag, but equally, he's only there for a year and he'll be off elsewhere because they're not going to want to, you know, pay him again. So even though there's those guys that, you know, are kicking and screaming and reluctantly signing their franchise tenders. There's a whole swathe of other veterans, you know, that are just beneath that kind of level that can't even get a team, can't even get on a roster, never mind being offered a franchise tag to keep them there for a year. So, yeah, is the really interesting thing for me. I know it's not like a particular roster cut, but just generally across the league, it, it feels like, the running back position just in terms of value is absolutely well out of the door. And yet I still think it's such a critical position. You know, there's so many teams whose running backs are their best player and I'm including the Colts in that yet nobody wants to pay them. And I think purely because if you look over the last five years, particularly there's been a few running backs that have seen themselves as that star playmaker in the team that have demanded very, very good salaries for, you know, the position in general. And yet the reward has not been there for the team that has given out that money. You know, there's, I mean, yeah, the Raiders probably feel like um, one of those teams that maybe feels a bit hit. The Rams with Todd Gurley, I think was really the nail in the coffin of the running back position getting, large amounts of money because what two years removed from him signing the largest deal for a running back ever he was on the street so yeah yeah it is it's just a strange situation to be in when you've got such a critical position as you know all being said the majority of touchdowns for teams you know if you if you just look at pure numbers banging it in from three yards out is your kind of bell cow running backs yet the guys don't get paid well, that to me is sensational because, I mean, you think about, and I know I'm, I'm going from, to, to an extent, reality to to a kind of form of fiction. There's that wonderful movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt where he um, is in a biopic about a general manager for the Oakland Major League Baseball franchise. And they talk about forgetting the formulas that people have used to hire baseball players in years gone by. And they look at effectively dollars per point you know they look at the stats and they look at the return for the money you'd have to pay and for me i'm still astounded that if you were to do that in nfl terms you would look at running backs and also the other one that amazes me is kickers and people still don't seem keen to pay the money and yet every weekend you will watch games come down to the narrowest of margins and you'll watch one kicker able to you know split the sticks from 50 and another unable from 40 you know and you kind of look and think for a few hundred thousand dollars you could have had another w in that column and it it is bizarre with running backs because james robinson had a great season in his first season a great start to his second season then the injury but in pre-season i mean i was even looking at his stats um last weekend i mean 10 carries 55 yards now he's obviously not against a, a first string defense there but that's a guy who's moving the ball i mean cracky 5.5 yards per carry with a guy who also is bright enough to to play in a number of different schemes i think it's a surprise he's on the street i suppose bam knight with the jets is a little different 
because that was we were only talking about it last week, weren't we? That was a very talented running back room where somebody room. somebody was going to miss out, right? So that maybe is a bit different. But I mean, Kenyon Drake at twenty nine. I mean, I suppose is older. I mean, certainly older than James Robinson. Crikey, in, in running back terms. But you said it, Aldrin. He was one of the guys who was getting paid big only a few years ago. You know, walked out the Cardinals, was paid a fortune by the Vegas Raiders. And I mean, look how how quickly that can come back and bite. It, it seems bizarre, particularly as there are still so many running back needy teams around the league. I mean, the, the Cardinals aren't, aren't a great reference point for me because we're needy in almost every area. But behind Connor, I'm not sure who we have. And there are lots of teams in a similar boat. But um, but yeah, the preseason that was maybe the death of the running back position, I don't know, certainly took me by surprise. There's some good guys looking for work, and I'm sure when a few injuries hit early on in the year, they'll all be back in work. But um, but yeah, what a strange tale. JB, what were your thoughts on the cuts that were in the NFL? Outside of what Aldrin's talked about and kind of what I think we'll, we will leave for you to talk about, because I think it is probably the most critical thing we can talk about today. Not much. Like, there wasn't an awful lot that really surprised me, just like outside of those kinds of things. I think kickers are a good thing to talk about. I think the situation with the Broncos was maybe one that caught my eye because they've traded for Will Lutz from the Saints after cutting Brandon McManus, who at times for the last couple of seasons has been the best player on the Broncos, um, for Brett Maher, who they had, like who they kept instead. They've now cut Maher and traded for Lutz, which just, there is an element of all of this thing that just gets me back to probably could have just kept McManus. I don't think Lutz is an upgrade. I, I don't get it, but I'm also not, like football genius Sean Payton, who is going to resurrect the career of of uh, Russell Wilson, uh, Broncos country. Let's ride. Um, like other than that, it was other than the points that you're going to get to. It all felt very like these are kind of the people that I would expect to get cut at this point. I I I don't have a lot really to add, so I think we should probably move to talking about the decisions that the Arizona Cardinals have made. Let's get there. I mean, there was a few other interesting players cut. I mean, Arnold. Any, anyway, let's get there. So the Arizona Cardinals are hardly the story of the season. Um, if they're not tanking, they're certainly not building towards any kind of championship run. Um, I can only imagine that, what well, I mean, Kyler Murray's been put on the pup list. So that means, what, week four, week five? I think something like that is the earliest point he could come back. And look, when he comes back, it'll be all of the same kind of storylines. It'll be, he looks sharp in practice. He looks like the Kyler Murray of a few years ago. Those those players aren't. Players who come back mid-season and have to get back up to speed are not sharp and are not good. And I think to imagine that Kyler Murray will be anything like the Kyler Murray the Cardinals need till probably week 10 or 11 is probably wishful thinking but like i say there's not an awful lot going for the cardinals this year and i'm worried they could end up being pretty embarrassed if they're not very careful that said um let's roll to what happened over the last few days so colt mccoy who has been a starter in this league and has certainly come in and deputized in arizona well when Kyler has been out in recent years. I mean, won a couple of games and certainly never embarrassed himself. Looked very, very good, actually, on a number of occasions. He has been let go. And the weird thing about him being let go is he has been let go having been talked out of, supposedly, retirement by the incoming coaching staff. And the weird thing is, is he looks to have been replaced by Josh Dobbs, who the Cardinals only signed a week or two ago, had zero preseason action, but has a relationship with our new offensive coordinator. Now, to say that Josh Dobbs has a relationship with our offensive coordinator is not much of a stretch. When you think how many teams he has been on, 
and how many offensive coordinators around the league he probably does have a relationship with. I mean, JB, you will know of Josh Dobbs as he has been a Pittsburgh Steeler on two separate occasions. He has been a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Cleveland Browns, we've mentioned, Tennessee Titans, and now the Cardinals. There is a name I'm missing, and that's because last year, 2022, he was a training camp arm for the Detroit Lions and was released. So the weird thing about Josh Dobbs is maybe he knows a system. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the coaching staff see that he could do certain things similarly to Kyler Murray. Maybe there's a position where there could be more of a seamless transition from one to the other. Or maybe this is a horrible decision. And I think the latter is probably just as likely as the former. Because for as much as we've got a familiarity with this player, I don't see the tape that says, get this guy. And I, I, I don't see the tape at all. I mean, we we've, we've been looking at quarterbacks pretty much all of the offseason and preseason. I mean, Jeff Driscoll, you know, some guys who had moments but didn't look at all the finished article. Um, Colt McCoy looked steady and safe. I don't know where we are now. Uh, I really don't know. And after Colt was cut, um, Gannon, um, our new head coach at the Cardinals, who I have been impressed with, I think in preseason, you know, the team have looked pretty well coached, if ultimately devoid of talent. But his comment was, when asked who the starter was going to be, that he was not going to name the starter because he felt that not naming gave an advantage to the team when they play Washington in week one. That feels like wishful thinking. Um, I'm not sure that whether we line up one of our rookies or whether we put in Josh Dobbs, and that's where all the sensible money is, I don't think any team would be particularly worried about any of those quarterbacks lining up against them. Um, It's bizarre. I mean, we're a team without Isaiah Simmons. We're a team without Nuke you know, at wide receiver. And we're now a team without any kind of recognized quarterback. Um, And if it's not Josh Dobbs, it's Clayton Tune, low round draft pick or David Bluff, who, I mean, the less said, the better. Um, I'm not sure the commanders are going to be particularly concerned as a Cardinals fan. I'm incredibly concerned. It seems misguided and we seem ill-prepared for the season that is, as we've said, a few days away. So I would offer a slight counterpoint to that in that I think the Cardinals are incredibly prepared for the season they want to have ahead. And the season they want to have ahead is Gannon and Dobbs sitting in a tree, T-A-N-K-I-N-G. I I think this is absolutely a team that are wiping out this season 100%. 100%. Not to say they're not going to try to win win games, not to say that they're not going to try and be competitive. They're not going to be a walkover or anything like that. But I think this is absolutely a team. Kind of like we saw with the Texans when they, they moved on from Bobby Smith because they wanted, they wanted a, a high draft pick or a low draft pick, depending on your view of how draft pick ordering works. And... Smith got the boot because he won the game that cost them the the number one pick. We saw it with um, the Browns when they were waiting for Deshaun Watson to come off his uh, suspension. It's it's not unusual for for teams to to do this kind of thing. And I do kind of look at the Cardinals and just think they've already decided there's nothing to play for. So why not? build for the future somehow you know you move on Isaiah Simmons who was due a new contract was coming up to a new contract wasn't he Rob yeah Rob is nodding yeah 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 Um, I mean I mean the the Simmons thing is is weird because the Simmons thing is the the talk around camp was there was no effort and the guy had other interests and so Gannon basically just said I don't want this guy in the team now I get that because if you're going to have a tough season, attitude is everything. But I mean, this guy was a high first round draft pick. I mean, Colt McCoy, I mean, they, they've talked him out of retiring and then let him go. I, I don't know if, if there's a plan 
I'm not seeing it. I mean, we've got a lot of draft picks this time next year. I mean, loads of them because we did all of those trades through the draft. But I mean, there's a point where you've got to put some guys out there. And this, I mean, this could be really messy, really, really messy. And and surely what you need if you're putting an inexperienced team out there. I mean, I'm as much as I get your point, I'm not sure we weren't going to tank with Colt McCoy. I mean, he's not Joe Montana. You know, Colt McCoy wasn't the difference between us winning the division and tanking. He was just a good player, solid, understands the game, got young players around him. I mean, what's Josh? I mean, I'm I'm just clueless, really, as to what the plan is. If the plan is not just a complete absence of one, but... um, but there you go. This is a podcast about 32 NFL teams. Let's not make it a, a Cardinals pity party. But goodness me, James Connor and Buddha Baker must be just beside themselves, I think, because they are the two the two quality players. And I mean, we've got some good, young, talented wide receivers. But I mean, without DeAndre Hopkins, even that room feels a bit light. But, um, but yeah, good luck to the Rams, the Seahawks. And the 49ers, they're, they're two wins up before the season even starts, I reckon. So, um, yeah, good springboard for all of those. It is weird. Like you said, JB, like it, it, and, well, and Rob, there doesn't seem to be a plan. It's not, it's, it's not even like you can say we're rebuilding for the future. You know, like the Lions of maybe 12, 18 months ago, where you looked at some of the cuts and you thought, well, they're moving on older Deadwood, but I can see that they're, you know, they're bringing through some younger players. They're drafting smartly. They're trying to build for the future. There doesn't seem to be any of that with the cards. You know, like Izzy Simmons, I, mean, I know he never really kind of found a home in terms of position or live up to that hype, but still a young, talented player. And you think on a roster devoid of real talent where, you know, like you said, you've just got rid of Hopkins. You've got, you, you're kind of going to have money in the bank, not loads of money in the bank, because obviously you paid Kyler Murray a stupid amount of money for a, what I think is a fairly mediocre player, but that's maybe just me. Um, but, you know, there's there's got to be money there to kind of keep some of these younger, talented players around. And there doesn't really seem to be a play. You know, like some teams you go, oh, well, I can see why they've cut him and I can see why they've kept him. Well, you've not kept anyone. That's the thing. And yeah, I know maybe you haven't lived up to the kind of expectations, but you've got to have some players to build around because I hate to say it, but everything I've seen from Kyler Murray's personality and play, he wouldn't be a guy that I would build a franchise around. Yes, he might be your franchise quarterback, but he's not really, for me, the kind of franchise leader so it's kind of it kind of feels who are you building around James Connor? Well, we've talked about how running backs aren't going to be lasting more than two or three years before they're moved on for no money. So I don't, I just don't see like you said, I don't see the plan. I don't see a strategy. I don't see anybody to get excited about on that roster. That's the thing for me. It's the whole thing about it is when when Gannon says we won't name our starter. If Clayton Tune was your starter and he was ready. Why go and get Josh Dobbs? I mean, it, it you know, it, it, the well, whole thing equally, just feels just feels I mean, confused. equally, I don't, I, I don't get why you get Josh Dobbs in the first place. Is he better than Colt McCoy? Probably not. You know, at least Colt McCoy's been around. He's been there. He knows the organisation. I just think Josh Dobbs going to get you an extra win. Great. That's one out of fifty. No, but what Josh Dobbs is is he's a more mobile yeah. quarterback. Yeah. Great. And it doesn't like, matter. He's still going to get sacked 50 times yeah, a game. Have you seen that line? It makes no difference. What I, the, the only thing that I could look at that, if we're spinning any kind of positive into it is this is a team that has looked at Colt McCoy and gone, you know what? He doesn't fit what we want to do going forward with Kyler Murray as our franchise quarterback. So we, we would want never someone have had that Colt McCoy on the roster ever. Like, it, obviously, he's not the same, but you just need a steady hand, don't you? I kind of feel like either you go with Colt McCoy, who's a steady hand, an experienced veteran that will just be sensible, mm. or kind of at that point, 
I'd rather, if Colt McCoy isn't the guy, just go, Tune's the guy. Who cares? Whoever goes in is going to get smashed every game. They're not going to win a game. Doesn't matter. Let's just see if he could be the guy. You know, like the 49ers had with Brock Purdy. I know that was a different situation, but it's like late round guy. Who cares if he gets broken? Doesn't matter. He's we're not paying him anything. If he turns out to be the the guy, great. If he doesn't turn out to be the guy, we've not lost anything. But there's kind of it's like you're going to end up with Josh Jobs being the guy. It's like, well, Josh Jobs isn't going to be the guy of the future. So who cares? Like, you're not going to learn anything. Like Rob said, look at the other teams in that division. They're all going to walk all over Arizona this year. So Mm. I don't know. If it was me, I mean, obviously, I'm waiting the call for a GM spot. But if it was me, I'd, I'd either go with somebody experienced that I just trust to be a good leader in the locker room or just go for somebody that's young that we've just drafted and figure out if they're any good, but I don't know. There's, there's a weird thing as well. I mean, the thing about Isaiah Simmons is he was always talked about as being a hybrid player because he was fast. He could be a nickel corner. I mean, actually they were trying him as a, as a safety throughout preseason under the, the new, the new kind of leadership or the new um, coaching staff at, at the Cardinals. The weird thing is, is he was very much bought in because he fitted what the previous defensive coordinator wanted to do. You know, it's one of those things where that is exactly how we were playing under the previous coaching staff. It now doesn't fit when you think about how we're going to play moving forward under Gannon and, you know, I don't know. I suppose it's that whole thing about if they're not your mistakes, you don't, you know, you don't feel the need to justify them. But as a fan, letting our first round draft pick go for a seventh to the Giants, you know, and, and as much as he was, you know, at the end of this year, there would have been question marks about a contract. That guy was still on rookie money. I mean, that is just disastrous and teams that do that tend to stay at the bottom for a long time i've got a lot of faith in monty gannon seems to be a decent coach but goodness me neither of them are miracle workers surely we need to we need to start figuring out what this season's going to look like if like you say joe i'm coming all the way back around to you maybe i am just in denial and we are just here to see out 17 games and get round to the draft and preparing for that in February. Maybe maybe that's all this is, an exercise in being draft ready. Who knows? The pain of being a Cardinals fan. Oh, the 80s. Uh, I mean, hey, look, the pain is new for you. You've never experienced failure or disappointment as a no, Cardinals fan. I so, mean, you know. to be honest, off the back of the dynasty that was we won the division a couple of times. I mean, that, I don't know. Bruce Arians seems such a long time ago. God, he's won a Super Bowl since. I mean, that that all seems so long. But um, but yeah, you know what? I mean, Rob, Rob, would you would you like a piece of a piece of good news? This isn't going to be good news, JB. Go on. Technically speaking, Larry Fitzgerald has still not officially retired, so he could still be coming back to save the day again. Hey, we've solved the quarterback problem. He's not as bad. He can't be any worse than Josh Jobs or what's his face. It's, it's some. It, there, there are times when we do this, and it's usually when I've just said something that I. It's regretful that this is just an audio medium and not a visible medium because listeners, Rob's face is not showing that that was good news for him. No, I do miss Fitz. Um, actually, I think wide receiver and tight end are probably where we're best going into this season. Um, not that it's going to make. Any, I was going to say, they'll difference. never get to the ball, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, it's never, never going to find its way out there. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think one of our wide receivers probably needs to drop his Hollywood moniker from his name. But other than that, we're in good shape. So Wait, have um, you, have, wait hang on. Are we, are we, have we spent another season and come all the way back to wide receiver Brown wide not receiver being Brown. a good thing? Yeah, do you know what? I think wide receiver Brown is fine. Um I think we've drafted well. Anyway, this will end up turning into a Cardinals podcast. We've drafted pretty well. We've got a reasonable receiver room. Um, we've got reasonable tight ends. Obviously, Zach Ertz is just amazing. So, you know, let's see. Let's see how we roll. But I think we need some low scoring. 
muddy in the trenches kind of games where Connor could be a difference maker because otherwise this is um I mean don't even talk to me about our secondary. Goodness me. Right, anyway. Um moving on, we do this every year. We um end our preseason by taking some of the preseason stories we discussed last week and whipping them up into a narrative that gives us unlikely winners of the NFL's biggest prizes. So we'll go around our virtual room and Aldrin, we're gonna start with you. And this round table is gonna be um the MV me, who you think will be the league's MVP. And please, please, please. Don't say your outlandish pick is like Aaron Rodgers. Come on, give us something. Give us a tale of somebody who could be a true rags-to-riches story. Who's the league MVP in 23? I'm all yours. Well, I don't know that it's a rags-to-riches. I'm not going to pick Josh Dobbs. So we'll move on from that. I don't think he's going to be the MVP. It is somebody that has been good for a number of years, but I think this year they might just take the extra leap. And, well, I've been his biggest fan since he came out of college, but it's Justin Herbert is the guy I'm going to pick as the MVP this year. Um, I mean, do I, I need to even defend it? I can get on or... board. No, 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 go for it. You absolutely do. I am on board, though. I mean, I think they've got some real talented wide receivers. They have for a number of years. And, you know, Justin Herbert, has got an incredible connection with, well, obviously the two um, big main guys in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But they went and got Quentin Johnston at number 21 this year in the draft. Absolute speed demon. And I think between those guys, decent run game, strong... More experienced leadership from Herbert. I think this could be the year where he just absolutely blows the roof off. And I mean, I know I'm picking a guy that has, what, broken pretty much every record in his three years in the league now. I think as he got, it was fastest to whatever number of yards. Look, the guy's great and he's been exceptional in the league. But I think this year is the league, the year that he really takes the roof off. Um, and I think, you know, maybe even pushes them further into the playoffs than they've managed to get. So well, that's my prediction. That was about to be my question. I don't doubt Herbert as a quarterback, but are the Chargers really not the Chargers anymore? I mean, we've seen kind of the Browns and maybe this year we'll see the Jets, you know, truly turn it around. But do you really think the supporting cast and the coaching staff there are going to be enough to push them deep into the playoffs? Because look, you can have an amazing season. You need to be deep in the playoffs to be part of the MVP conversation, I think, in the vast, vast majority of cases. Will the Chargers do enough to prop up their superstar QB? I think so. I mean, look at the year. There's plenty of years that Aaron Rodgers has won MVP with a mediocre team around him and not always got deep in the playoffs. Now, do I think that the Chargers need to do that? Yeah, obviously. Like if Herbert wants to cement his legacy as not just a really good regular season quarterback, but, you know, an actual MVP, then I do think they need to push into the playoffs. But equally... I think sometimes it's just impossible to look at the numbers that he puts up and not have him in that conversation. And I think this year will be no exception. So, yeah, I mean, I think when he absolutely blows the roof off yards and touchdowns, then it'll be difficult to ignore. Strong. So uh, MV me prediction from Aldrin is quarterback Justin Herbert. JB, who are you going to put? in your own particular shrine for the 23 season. Who's your league MVP before a ball has even been kicked? So I am choosing to uh, be the anti-James Aldrin this season. I'm not going to pick the San Francisco 49ers or the equivalent for the MVP race. Instead, we are going to talk about a man who stands six foot six tall. He weighs in tonight at 220 pounds, according to Wikipedia, fighting out of Jacksonville, Florida, by way of Clemson University. I am putting my money on the hair with flair, Trevor Lawrence. Really? I'm less on board, but go on. You you do understand the chances of any of us being right are like 
fractional unless we just go tr- uh, Patrick Mahomes. So why not? In in Doug, we trust. Like the man won a Super Bowl with with um, Nick Foles. That man can do anything, as far as I'm concerned, and I think he can make Trevor Lawrence the MVP for the 2023 season. So, if my argument with Aldrin was, are there enough charges around to make sure that he's relevant? We saw the Jags turn a corner last year, right? The Jags had been basement dwellers. We saw them absolutely shake that off. So broadening the conversation slightly, are they now championship contenders? Are they, I mean, playoff bound wouldn't be that surprising, but the problem with the AFC is you hit the playoffs and you end up running into the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, there are a long list of bona fide contenders. Are you putting the Jags in that mix? Uh, I mean, realistically, no. But if I picked Josh Allen, Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, you would all mock me mercilessly for it. So I figured I'd throw Joe something Burrow. else out there. Like, you know, this this is very much a game where you can't win. Um, the, but the thing is, you are right in that the Jags, the Jags turned a corner last season. And if you look at the you look at the roster they've got, there is a lot of potential. We have spent time already on this podcast. Thanks to James Aldrin talking about the importance of running backs and Travis E T N definitely looks like a, not necessarily a workhorse back, but definitely a back that the Jags can build around and do great things with. Oh, superstar. Yeah. You saw Lawrence's poise, his composure. You look, his reading of the field drastically improved as the season went on in what I think almost had to count as like rookie season, point one or, or however it is you'd mark it because whatever the heck the Jags were going on with Urban Meyer two seasons ago, like I'm sure everybody regrets it now, maybe apart from him, probably got a lot of money out of it. Um, and I think they'll continue to do that. And I think we should be talking about the potential for the Jags, especially in the South when, sorry, Aldrin, the Colts haven't really yeah, got that much better. The Texans have definitely not got any better. And your opinion of the Titans kind of depends on your opinion of Ryan Tannehill as starting quarterback. And if you're an avid listener of this podcast, and we know you are, why wouldn't you be? You'll know that I'm not a particular fan of the Kirk Cousins of the AFC. They've got DeAndre Hopkins to throw to, though, haven't they? So, I don't know, are the Titans back in business there's probably a podcast on that we missed while i was having my pod hiatus wasn't there no, so no they're not no they're I'll not just okay. tell you now. all right well uh, I, I just think they've got a great coach i anyway yeah yeah we missed that opportunity titans will swing back round to those storylines when the regular season kicks off there won't be much need to talk about the cardinals again till february so um you said jb just then that you know, there's only a fractional chance that what we say is going to come true. You know, does this really matter? No, I don't think the Jags are going to be relevant, but here's the problem. Um, I'm about to give you my outlandish prediction for NFL MVP, and I feel really good about it. So let me tell you about a guy who threw for four and a half thousand yards last season, 29 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, fourth quarter drives. They were 10 a penny. This guy absolutely elevated every single one of the receivers around him, put up huge numbers of points week after week with a team that even though he threw 29 touchdown passes, were actually better known for being the danger in the red zone with that one-two punch at running back. The guy that the league continues to overlook is about to have his moment in the sun because your 2023 league MVP is none other than Jared Goff. Right? Now, here's the thing. No, no, hang on. I just want to make a point. I said Trevor Lawrence and you mocked me. And okay, I can't, sorry, I I can't wait to see where this goes. I think Jared Goff. Now, here's the thing I cling to, and you guys are like, oh, you're the guy who didn't think Josh Allen was going to be any good. You thought the Seahawks were going to be rubbish, right? Everyone loves to point out the things I predict that don't go right, where, you know, other than maybe Aldrin occasionally, no one else gets that kind of treatment. However, I think Jared Goff, I said to you guys, when Jared Goff was traded to the Lions for Matthew Stafford, that the Lions had got the better end of that deal. I still believe that 
and the Lions won a Super Bowl, right? That's how much on board I am with Jared Goff. So look at what's going on around them. There is no Aaron Rodgers in that division. The Bears are still a work in progress. The Vikings are interesting because I think they've maybe got better. Patrick Peterson goes to Pittsburgh. They bring in Byron Murphy. They've certainly got younger. But I just think that the thing about that division now is there's only one team in those four who can put up 40 points, and that's the Detroit Lions. And I think the way they are playing, tail end of last season, the attitude they seem to have coming into this year, I don't see the Detroit Lions being also rounds. I think this could be a massive year for them. And I just think, you know, we saw what Matt Ryan um matty ice do it with the atlanta falcons you know kind of come from the outskirts of the quarterback conversation to have an mvp type season jared goff's on that train jared goff is absolutely going to be your guy and the city of detroit is going to love it Mm. i mean Mm. i feel great about my selection i know james said that you know there's only a minute chance that i mean feel like mine's better than both of your picks um wrong i do like goff you know i'm not as down on him i think the rams were you know i mean look they won a super bowl so you can't say they didn't make the right decisions over the course of that you know 12 months where they shook up the roster but equally i'm a big fan of jared goff i think he's got a lot of the things you want in a top tier quarterback um I guess the only concern for me is Williamson's availability. Um, mm. You know, he's suspended slash where well, he seems to be injured at the minute as well. So, I mean, that's not great because came into the league um, injured. Amon Ra sent Brown is probably one of the most exciting. What would you say? Slot receiver, really? He's not like, he's not really an outside guy, is he? Um, it's hard to define with the way the lions play isn't it as much as anything else really but yes yeah more in that mold i think he's exceptional and they seem to have a really good connection um running back they've got arguably even better at younger and better you know they've got um jimmer gibbs and um david montgomery they got david montgomery didn't they from um completely changed yeah complete change after the success last year Equally, I mean, I, I was a big fan of DeAndre Swift, so I, I kind of didn't get that. Um, I mean, it felt like he was surplus to requirements when they got like David Montgomery and stuff, but mm. I'm a big fan of Swift's. Um, but I don't know. I, I still feel like they're ex- Don't get me wrong. They're really exciting. I think Jared Goff's great. Is he going to be an MVP in that team? No. Are they going to get really anywhere towards the playoffs or being super competitive? No, I don't think so. Um, but it'll be interesting in that division. I don't know. It's a difficult argument, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Wait, who's beating yeah. the Lions? Who's yeah. beating the Lions to the playoffs? So I just want to check. Have Have you finally acknowledged that Kirk Cousins and the Vikings aren't any good? No, but I think Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, I, I think the Lions can be better than them. I don't see... The Jordan Love but I mean, I don't know, maybe that will go well in Green Bay. Who knows? I mean, the the Bears Bears are a proper wild card. The Bears could be anywhere. The Bears could be 10 and 2 or 2 and 10, and I wouldn't be surprised. That They literally could be anywhere. But I think the Lions absolutely showed up last season. And I mean, some of the moves... They were consistent last year, weren't they? And that's what the teams around them weren't. You know, they got in a groove. The Bears yeah. looked great for one or two games when Fields was explosive and on the run. You know, the Packers looked great for a few games and then went off for a few games. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to struggle. I, I don't mean, know. So, it, do you know what? It's a difficult well. argument. The more we talk about it, it is a difficult argument. But do I think he's going to be MVP? No. Congratulations, boys. I think I've just won that round, but time will tell. Time will tell. We'll roll around to discover that Aldrin just picked correctly again. What was it? The 49ers last season? Well, the moment of truth. Last year, you picked the losing AFC championship. Um, I've, I've 
gone down a cul-de-sac here, haven't we? How I can end that sentence. But last year you chose the team that narrowly lost in the NFC Championship. There, there you go. There you go. Reworded. There we, are. It, we got, it, 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 we got yeah. there in the end. You are the so wordsmith of the group. Who are you going for this year as your outlandish club dub pick for the Lombardi? You're all going to take the nick again. They're not a bad team, but they weren't there or thereabouts last year. I'm going to pick much to James Bushby's chagrin, the Baltimore Ravens. That's my outlandish pick this year. I think that's I, think, a, I think it's outlandish. Good for you. Yeah, they, they weren't close last year, were they? They were a long way off, and Lamar was injured basically all year. So, I mean, my my thought with it is, is it's, I don't know, it's one of those things that just feels like a story that's set for, you know, the comeback years of everybody. You know, it's Lamar's comeback year when he's fit and healthy, OBJ's return to the league and hopefully form and fitness because yeah you know we all love to see OBJ no matter what you think of the Baltimore Ravens if you're you know a certain JB but I I, we all want to see OBJ do well right he's an exciting talent and we all like watching him play so I think they've got so many good weapons on offense and it just feels like at some point it really has to click. You know, like over the last few years, basically since Lamar came into the league, they've been exciting, they've been dynamic, but they never really felt like they were going to go all the way. And I just feel like at some point it has to click and this might be the year, you know, where they've invested in receivers for him. They've invested in talent around him to try and go for it. And yeah, I'm just hoping that, well, I'm not hoping, but I I feel like it, it could be the year that they do it. I didn't know that outlandish meant incorrect. Well, uh-huh. um, I don't hate that as a pick. Like, I mean, you do, but that's fine. No, no, we know that. no, no, no. I hate the Ravens. I don't hate that as a logical pick for this segment of the podcast. I think it does make sense. And for, for as much as I have opinions as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan about the Baltimore Ravens, ultimately the one thing we are all in agreement of and one thing i will i will never deny is they have a very 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 good head coach and he is the kind of guy when you look at how he structures the organization you look at what he does definitely has an idea of what the team is he plays to the strengths and tries to minimize the weaknesses everywhere and for again for all you can say about lamar jackson he like when we saw flashes of him last season he was still the explosive like a uh, running threat that we all know him to be. I still think that's the problem in that. I think that's what carries the team. I don't see, I still don't see enough from, from him as like a, a passing quarterback, but then you add OBJ into that, a guy who can like catch it like almost nobody else. So in terms of like even accuracy, not that Lamar's like an inaccurate quarterback. He just doesn't throw it a lot, but you, you add that as, as an outlet for Lamar Jackson. You kind of think, well, maybe they do have what it takes to go all the way this season. I don't like that I've just said that, but I have to acknowledge that it is the truth. So are we going to get to yours, JP? Who, who's who's lifting the Lombardi? Give us that moment. The confetti's falling. Who's got the trophy in their hands? See, the problem is, is that we're asking to make outlandish picks and all I can pick is what I think are the obvious ones. Because like originally I was going to say the Philadelphia Eagles, but then I thought, nah, because then I'm just Aldrining this situation. You're so even going one above Aldrining, actually. I, I am going to still borrow a page from James Aldrin. He named their quarterback as his MVP. I am declaring that I think they will make it all the way and lift the Lombardi. And I'm going to go for the, I was about to call them the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. Wow. It's it's weird. Again, it's a quandary because from an AFC point of view, the obvious ones are the ones that you can't pick. You can't pick the Bills, you can't pick the Bengals, and you can't pick the Chiefs. So it's like, okay, who's the fourth best team in the AFC? And I've already talked about the Jags. Aldrin's talked about the Ravens. I can't talk about the Steelers because I don't want to fill this podcast. 
Phil as a, a euphemism there. And it kind of brings wow. me to the the charges as kind of a team with I still think all of the right pieces that just need need a season to slot them all together in the right ways. You were talking, Rob, in, in your bit where you're kind of talking about Justin Herbert as these aren't the same charges. And I do kind of think you are right, but they still carry a little bit of that late Philip Rivers, everybody gets injured kind of thing to them. Every season, it seems like the Chargers get three games in and all of a sudden, like Keenan Allen's missing games or Mike Williams was missing games or Austin Eckler was missing games or Herbert like broke a rib or something like that and just carried on going. What the Chargers need essentially is just a clean season, a clean series of games to get momentum and get ahead so they're not having to just keep fighting from behind all the time. And I don't see why they couldn't go all the way. Another euphemism. Wow. Um, The weird thing about it is I think the two teams mentioned already have a lot in common because nobody had more injuries the last two seasons than the Ravens, actually. I mean, their season was pretty much over by by what, week three, week four. Um, No team used more players, no team... So, I mean, so far, I get it. You know, you've gone for those teams that if everyone stays healthy, has a chance. I'm going to go one further. So um, I was just looking, as you guys were speaking, at the current Super Bowl odds, and I've gone with DraftKings, right? It seems kind of as good as anybody else. Who do you reckon are least likely to win the Super Bowl, according to DraftKings? The Texans. No. The Cardinals. Texans are plus 20,000. The Cardinals are plus 40,000. So the Texans and Cardinals are the bottom two. Great news for this podcast. Um, next up comes the Colts and then the Buccaneers. So they're the yeah. lowest four. Um, but I'm going to pick the team who are fifth from the bottom. So Cardinals, least likely, Texans, Colts, Buccaneers. So if you're talking outlandish, it doesn't get much more outlandish than this. I'm going for the Tennessee Titans because – I think the formula exists for them to get on a run. I think they're in a weak division where they don't necessarily have to win it, but certainly finishing second seems perfectly realistic. People forget just what a wrecking ball Derrick Henry is. And what did they miss last season? They missed a true wide receiver one. What have they gone and done? They've gone and got the best wide receiver one, arguably in football. Right, I think DeAndre Hopkins is an absolute machine, brilliant hands, amazing speed. I think he has got everything going for him. So if they were close a couple of years ago, why not close now? So I think that Vrabel is going to conjure up some magic this season. And I think if he gets in there and gets his team in the trenches, he knows how to mix it with the very, very best. Do I think they'll win it? No, I kind of almost wanted to go with the Lions, having gone Jared Goff. But um, but yeah, a Lions-Titans Super Bowl is, I suppose, broadly what I'm predicting in my outlandish view of the league. And I tell you what, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful to just mix it up entirely and just put some new names top of the shop? So yeah, I think the Titans have got everything back in place. The wobbles of the last few seasons are over. Ryan Tannehill, Where's a ring, JB? You heard it here first. I mean, you heard it here first and last. Like, of all the things that this season that could never happen, that is one of the most things that will never happen. Right up there with Kirk Cousins winning MVP. Right. Let me just talk you through my logic yet again. They might be the fifth least likely team to win the Super Bowl, but beneath them are two of their division foes, right? So you might need to get second place in a division, but you're going to get a few wins on the board when you're rolling up against the Texans. I mean, I just don't think it's that far-fetched. I don't think it's any more far-fetched than, well, I think the Ravens is a good shout. The Chargers I struggle with a bit. But um, but yeah, you did hear it here first. We're going to go to London, watch the Titans, and then a few weeks later, see them covered in confetti. What a wonderful storyline. The, your your logic is sound, but is sound for a different point. Who's going to make the playoffs out of that? Yes, that absolutely tracks. The Titans might get some wins. The, the other teams in their division might be quite terrible. Sorry, Aldrin. 
But the problem is that when you get to the playoffs, you play teams that aren't terrible. You have to play like the Bills or the Bengals or the um, Chiefs, Chiefs or the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers Ravens. are a bit, that's a bit, yeah, the Ravens ahead of the Steelers. Or whoever, like whoever wins the, like, is it the Dolphins? Is it the Jets? Is it the Patriots? Also, probably not. Yes, Titans as a, Titans as a playoff team, absolutely on board with that. Definitely can see it. Titans winning the play, winning the playoffs and the Super Bowl. No. See, and here, here was me thinking that as we were getting back together after such a long layoff, we'd have a supportive kind of pre-season pod. And actually, all it's been is all of us talking each other down from various ledges. Um, our teams are all going to be horrible. I mean, how are the Steelers going to be? They're not going to be great, right? I mean... <laughs> According to several NFL like media people, including uh, Good Morning Football and Fox Sports Peter Schrager, who we like, the Steelers had one of the best preseasons out of anybody. So I am assuming the Steelers will finish last and just do terribly or something like that. But I, I like I think Kenny Pickett's made good progress. He looked a lot more comfortable for the bits of saying Matt Canada's play calls actually looked better and actually looked like they took advantage of the of the um staff i was about to say the players that he had on the field to be able to do things so any anything's possible will they be better than the you know will they be better than the bucks the cardinals and the colts i would hope so but that's not necessarily about how good the steelers could be and more about how i think your teams are all in a bit of a rebuild rebuilds kind tire fire is the way i I do feel like jb's team is probably out of the four of our teams, mm. the Cards, Bucks, and uh, Colts will be all beneath the Steelers, purely from a more settled standpoint. But they won't be as interesting. Um, <laughs> going back to you know, dull mediocrity is all you've got wants, to look for. Who wants, who wants to win games? Who wants an eight and eight season? Nobody cares. <laughs> Can't have eight and eight now. Walter. Oh, geez, yeah, seven and eight, <laughs> eight, okay. eight and one. <laughs> AA and one, that seems more likely. Um, going back to your point, uh, no, the Titans still suck. Um, I do love Hopkins. He'll probably be suspended at some point in the season. It won't matter. Um, I think the more interesting thing with the Titans is how long it takes for Will Levis to be the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. Oh, do you That's think? my interesting story. Yeah, well, 100%. I've seen enough of start. Malik Willis seen enough of Malik Willis to know that he's garbage and we've seen enough of Ryan Tannehill to know that he's not the answer but we'll leave this in with a big cannon of an arm and watch him just throw balls up to DeAndre Hopkins that's what I want to see arguably there's nobody else to throw to so obviously DeAndre Hopkins is going to be quadruple covered because I was looking at the depth chart for the Tennessee Titans and the wide receiver position is ugly Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore, Nick Westbrook, Akeen, like rubbish. So rubbish. DeAndre Hopkins. Um, yeah, but he's the only one. I've seen him at the Cardinals be the only guy that can catch. It doesn't mean anything if he's amazing. Um, yeah, I think the Titans still aren't great. I mean, I love Derek Henry, but the problem is if he gets injured, their whole season's ruined. Oh, uh, I think all of our backs, picks uh, are relying on players staying healthy aren't they yeah but i mean i feel it feels like they're so reliant on one player staying healthy mm. um you know i feel like other teams would be able to cover it but their whole game is derrick henry really um, if you want to topple the teams at the top you got to stay healthy definitely you probably yeah. need them to not be healthy you know you yeah need and i, and I, I feel like the titans a guy the Bills to be missing a guy, you know, those kind of things. The Titans are a team that really needs it to be, you know, lucky for them. You know, I'm not, I mean, yeah, I I just don't think they're a great team overall. But, hey, they're in our division, so they've got a fighting chance because they get a bit of a a cruise for a good few weeks out of the season while they just beat us and the Texans and, well, you know, you know, MVP Trevor Lawrence. Uh, aside, they'll. It might be interesting, Love but yeah, I, I'm, I do like an outlandish pick. That's real outlandish. 
Yeah, I mean, five from the five from the floor, I think, is pretty outlandish. You heard it here first. Gentlemen, it was gold standard. Um, we're kind of, you know, the prelude to the main event that is next week's pod. I cannot wait to start thinking about which teams find their way into Club Dub. And if you're not a regular listener, or maybe you've picked up during the off-season, well, brace yourselves. Buckle up, Buttercup, because this show absolutely gets motoring next week where we start putting our winners absolutely in the most exclusive club in all of football. Um, Gents, shall we get back together in seven days to do it for real? Ooh, sounds good. We get to hear the music. (laughs) We haven't had the music for so long. We get to hear the music and we also get the toughest quiz question in football back in um, no Google, all noodle. All of these regular features return for their run of 22-odd weeks, taking us right the way up to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, gents, I cannot wait. Next week, you'll have the Pick'em Show. The weeks after that, ladies and gents in listener land, you'll have our pickup and recap shows guiding you through the season. Um, But, of course, if there's anything you want to let us know or want us to include, um, all you've got to do is get in touch on our various social media platforms or snail mailers at clubdubpodcast.com. Um, anyway, gentlemen, it was gold standard. It always is. Let's get back together in seven days. I cannot wait. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Dan. This is amazing. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. Again.